0: Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 470 being recorded on October 4th, <laughs> 2017. I'm Ryan Shroud.
1: I'm Jeremy Hellstrom.
2: I am a no longer muted Josh Walrus. And I'm Alan Malentano. Man, it took him a long time to find that button.
0: He was looking around his desk like it I was know, this big it. physical, like, <laughs> Staples easy button. He was I mean, looking It's, it's hidden under all
2: the stuff that he's got to have ready to grab.
0: <laughs> That's true. Exactly. Let's it's, see what obtuse references we'll have on tonight's show that Josh will be able to take advantage of. I feel like he sends, like, a private message to his kid or something like that to go find something in the garage, and he, like, sneaks in. There's a the tunnel door. network. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. It like comes in from the back with the side of the computer we can't see. you yep. ever seen Nacho Libre
3: where the girl had all of the, the tunnels throughout the house that she. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, same thing. Right.
1: I was thinking a dumb waiter, but that's almost as good.
3: Yeah.
0: Hey, everybody's got to have hobbies, I guess. Uh, so, welcome to the show. Um, we're, we got the normal crew here. I, I, I was thinking oh, next week, Alan and I are going to be gone. So it's all on uh, Alex here. I guess Ken will be back in town, too. Ken's out this week.
2: Is Ken going to run the podcast next week?
0: I don't. I mean, he's done it before, I
2: think. right? I, I guess. Mm, I don't know. You know I, I never watched happens. it when he was. So. You call that running. So
0: you're going to want to pay attention to next <laughs> week's because that might be super interesting. Um, uh, we'll probably bring Sebastian on and stuff, too, uh, just to fill in for for us um pc i'll start drinking two hours in advance (laughs) oh yeah ken i really appreciate that actually yeah yeah Yeah. anything for ken we do record the show on wednesday nights 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific at pcper.com slash live you can go there there's a chat room you can hang out um i will put this out there we've to the chat as well like we've had requests to try another chat option what was uh, oh
2: um Oh, man.
0: starts with a D. Discord. Discord, yes. Uh, And and we thought about it because it was an interesting idea uh, because it had a lot of other features and capabilities. It doesn't have an easily embeddable thing into the page, but we found some some third-party tools that allow us to do that. So we may think about that. And then that gives us the opportunity to have, like, separate Discord channels for, like, Patreon subscribers and that type of stuff. So worth looking at. Uh, If you want to get a little reminder of... uh, of us doing this this podcast on Wednesday nights. You can go to PCPro.com slash subscribe. You get this page here, which basically asks only for your name and your email address. Uh, and we send you an email, you know, an hour, hour and a half, 20 minutes, something along those lines before the show begins. Give you a little heads up about what we're going to do. We use it for the podcast. We use it for any other live streams that we're doing um, Which are are not that frequent, right? So mostly you're just going to get one email a week out of it. Um, But if we have other things that we're doing and we have contest giveaway, you're going to want to know about all of that. Uh, I did mention the Patreon campaign. It's worth showing that again. Patreon.com slash PCPer. This is your avenue, your outlet, your capability to contribute to PCPer financially. In a monthly recurring manner, if you wish to do so, right, so it could be a dollar a month, three dollars five dollars ten twenty fifty a hundred dollars a month, whatever you want to do, uh, all this money goes right to the to the site to us, allowing us to continue to doing things like this podcast and the mailbag and all the other uh, good stuff um, that uh, you guys i don 't know appear to enjoy maybe we 'll see, uh, and as always is the case if you become a new patron and or increase your patronage during the show. Uh, we will call out your name whatever you put in the name field uh, live here on the stream it's Mm -hmm. not just live i guess it goes in the podcast forever it was always be recorded as
2: a piece of history uh, from that point the chat is overwhelmingly like no don't move away from irc like really there's a little discord in the channel including including (laughs) the guy that telnets to irc.pcper.com. Wait, what? Bravo. I, that's like hard mode. Like,
0: I get it. I
1: get that is, it. So that is the is, guy who's using putty. I
2: get it. Hey. Yeah,
1: that's,
2: put, that's put, true. No, no. There's yeah, there's Alex.
4: a big difference between puttying into remote session
2: and doing and telnet.
4: raw telnet to 6667.
2: Yeah. That's telnet is Telnet enough. is totally like freaking, you know, turning up to 11 on the whole like hardcore. No, level.
4: no we we've done past 11 here. <laughs> yeah, all right.
2: That's fair.
0: Well, whatever. It was an idea. It was a thought. I, I feel like at some point you got to be able to move past it's IRC. Man, you stop using. It's just the thing that works. Vi as your text editor. Yeah, we use Vim. Oh, no. Yeah, now it's yeah, Vim. Vim. <laughs> all right, there's, there's got to be change that happens here. So uh, right, I guess. we'll see. Uh, so like I said, patreon.com slash pcper. Uh, also, uh, we do have our mailbag. It's at youtube.com slash pcper. Um, I recorded one on Thursday. I'll record one next week. So if you have questions, go to youtube.com slash pcper, or you can go to pcper.com. They're also posted to the homepage there. These are you know, 20, 25-minute videos. Uh, where I answer questions submitted by readers and viewers. So if you have a question you want to ask, it could be about anything. It could be about technology. It could be about not technology. It could be about business, inner workings, whatever you want it to be. Um, go there. You can either submit it on the video for the previous week's mailbag or on the uh, post on PCPro.com in the comments section for the previous week's mailbag as well. So let's jump into the content we got this week. It's kind of an interesting mix of stuff right from mobile hardware to storage devices to amd rumors and stuff like that we're going to start with this sebastian posted a story on i believe it was friday that looks at the it's not a review of the iphone 8 it is a performance review of the apple a11 mobile chip right this is the one in the iphone 8 plus um, and you know, Apple has done an exceptional job in mobile CPU performance since maybe like what the A5 or something way back yeah. when. Yeah, I mean they've uh, been kind of at the head of the pack for a while. Yeah, now. And, they, and they've been leading for a while, right? So the A11 Bionic, you know, we talked about it when uh, when they announced this news. It's a six-core part, uh, 4.3 billion transistors, four efficiency cores, aka small cores. And uh, two performance cores, a.k.a. big cores, right? So it's kind of a – it's similar to like a big little design from ARM. It's the same idea as that, mm-hmm. right? You have two different core subsets. That way you can put the the best core into use for each workload to, to get the best efficiency and performance out of it. Uh, but this one can use all six cores at the same time if it needs uh, more performance out of it, which in the previous, the A10 and A10X – uh, it was four cores, too small, too big. You could only actually use two of them
2: at a time. Is this like at, you're talking API level or like? I,
0: th- I think at API level. Okay. Yeah, because so, I mean so the system couldn't... could use two, right? Because you could have background tasks and foreground tasks. Yeah, so
2: the system could put yeah. stuff on the other two, but right. if you wrote, you couldn't write something to use all four.
0: Right. And, and here's a, you know, like we won't walk through every one of these, but Geekbench is, is a, is a well-known and understood synthetic benchmark at this point and so this gives you a good idea of what that is right so if you look at the single threaded performance the blue bar there on the uh, iphone 8 plus using the a11 part it's faster than the a10 by you know some percentage uh what is the number here Mm, let's say that's 20% or something like that, right? Not a huge, maybe like 15%. Not a huge jump, but it's there, right? Like, that's actually reasonable. But if you look at the green bar for multi-threaded performance, um, that's a significant delta, right? You're going from 5,700 to 10,000, and that is because you're going from using just two high-performance cores to now using two high-performance cores along with four efficiency cores, right? Um, and if you compare that to like the Snapdragon E35, the Kirin 960, other kind of high-end SoC options in the smartphone field, like there's a significant delta now in both single-threaded performance and multi-threaded performance based on these Geekbench results. Um, enough that you know people are starting to ask questions about what what is Apple doing differently than Qualcomm and Huawei and those guys that that are the highest-performing options in, in other fields, right? Um, so you can look through the the results here. And and, and Sebastian even did a little bit uh, of kind of a thought experiment, I'll call it, where he compared the A11 Bionic to, like, the Core i5-7300U, a dual-core hyper-threaded Intel part, um, like a mobility, something you would find in a notebook. right? And again, we're only looking at Geekbench, so this isn't, end-all be-all of performance metrics but it gives you an interesting data point to look at where in the single threaded performance um the core i5 and the bionic a11 bionic are kind of like matching in performance and in multi-threaded um you're you know the inc- intel part is two cores four threads versus you know six cores two big cores four small cores but right. all still full true cores no smt right right, right. At, at work there and so there's a significant Case is, uh, to be made about the performance levels of uh, these high-end SOCs. Do we have confirmation that Geekbench is doing the same
2: amount of work to get that? So number?
0: I've actually talked with the developer at Geekbench about this, and um, because there's a lo- there, there are always questions about like, are you doing the same amount of work? Is yeah. the API level like? And, and the the answer is, the stuff they're doing is low enough level that that should not be a concern. Okay, but it's not. So low that it's like um, doing, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, low-level code base uh, term I'm forgetting already again tonight. Um, When you program something in... You mean assembly language? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Right, like, so they're not going that far down to take specific
2: architectural differences into account? Right. Well, I'm just asking mainly, like, from one platform to another... Are they basically running the same code on the two? That's what, like, so in other words. It's the
0: same task. I don't know if okay. it's the same code.
2: But so in other I words, mean, it's, those it's numbers, those two numbers that are pretty close to each other should be comparable, in other words, even though they're correct. across two different platforms.
0: Correct. Okay. That, that, that is what the Geekbench author is telling me. Okay. Yes, correct. This also does mark uh, the first time Apple's done their own GPU. Uh, from scratch type of deal. Um, and here they, they definitely still have an advantage over the competition. Um, you know you can, can see some of these GFX bench scores, uh, where the A11 Bionic is you know the fastest of the bunch by a considerable margin, followed by the Snapdragon 835 that has the Adreno 540 in it. Yeah. Um, and you can also see the big jump that, that occurs from the A10 Fusion in the iPhone 7 to the New A11 in the iPhone 8, right? We're talking about close, to maybe like sixty, seventy, eighty percent performance increase between those generations. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive stuff. Uh, we know even less detail about the GPU portion of this part um, than we do the CPU. They, I think they've said it's three cores, whereas the previous was six cores. Well, we don't even know what a core means right, in this but, context. Yeah, right. Because like. E- you know if you look if you compare intel or i'm sorry nvidia smx sm units versus amd compute units they right. might call those cores but they have very different compute capabilities yeah. in each right so um we'll wait and see what eventually comes out about all this type of information but i mean it's clear that they have built a high performance graphics part as well and they, and again Sebastian looks at some of the the Intel integrated graphics part of this you know looking at something like 3D mark Ice storm again future mark will tell you that, that it's not the exact it's it can't be the exact same code because the platform is different right right but they are trying to to get it as close as possible that the workload is the same across doing the same thing doing an equivalent
2: thing on yeah. each platform
0: yeah and in here like the graphics on the A11 it's, Far outstretched the graphics on the on the Intel integrated
2: graphics. That's just crazy, uh, man. This isn't a phone.
0: Yeah, it's it's impressive to see, right? And it's and it and it's it's kind of one. It's it's this elephant in the room. Every time you go to a meeting, and I you know talk with somebody about Kira and or talk with somebody about Snapdragon, or whatever it is, like what is Apple doing that's different, right? Yeah. Does it is the performance delta that we see in like a Geekbench score directly directly relatable to an experience difference on the phone? Probably not.
2: Also true. Yeah, that's down to, like, OS optimizations and, like, you know, you can have a fast processor, but until you're you're, – everything else has to take advantage of it. And Apple
0: already has a huge advantage there, right? Because they control both ends of that spectrum. Well, they do. They control both of those things. So they – you know, no, no, nothing in the OS is done without consulting with the hardware guys and vice versa. Yeah. Whereas if you're if you're Qualcomm and you're building Snapdragon and you're dealing with Android and now with Windows, mm-hmm. um, you are one of several players in that field, so you don't have the total control over making sure that that Android does exactly what you want on the cadence you want. Right. You know, for when Snapdragon eight thirty five launched. How long did it take, or what optimizations were not in Android that needed to be in there in order for performance to, mm-hmm. you know, be better there? So,
2: um, and uh, it's worth pointing out this is the same processor that's going to go in the iPhone X.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be no change there. Um, yep. So it's the same, 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 same part. Uh, Josh, any thoughts on this kind of mobile processor performance discussion? It's-
3: it's always interesting to see just because we have products from Intel doing the 15 to 35 to 65 and above Watts. And, and we see these benchmarks and you got to wonder how they're being presented. But, uh, yeah, something that's, that's running in the 500 milliwatt range up to, you know, two Watts in a handheld, being able to give out this kind of performance is, is certainly impressive. And you wonder what, what really is going on but i think we'll probably get a better idea once those qualcomm chips actually go onto to a windows platform and maybe get a little bit better you know apples to oranges and maybe kumquats <laughs> type of view from from uh something that at least shares mostly the same platform right um and especially power and 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 programs compiled for it all uh, but yeah, Apple has certainly done well here, and um, it's impressive performance overall, especially in graphics. That's kind of nuts because yeah. that's the graphics part is probably doing 250 milliwatts pulling in terms of TDP, and it's able to do some pretty impressive numbers. Yeah, so, I mean seriously,
2: like even how for for.
0: So one of the one of the discussions I've had recently is. Um, When you are a fully integrated system like that, when you design your chip, you don't really care what it costs because you're not competing with anybody for what chip's going to go in that device, right? So if you can have a significantly larger die with an A11 going into a phone or a tablet, then Qualcomm can because they have to compete against – like so Qualcomm competes against Samsung. They compete against MediaTek. They compete against – uh kieran and the huawei group, you're right? talking
2: in like die area for a given part yeah like they can't go just making a huge die right because they're competing for die space because they're competing
0: for die space and they're competing on how how what price can they sell that chip to for the to the phone vendor right whereas apple doesn't care right they know what they're going to use uh oh you gotta if you're gonna make it more expensive it doesn't really matter to them they don't have to worry about markup from their silicon design well, what fab is making those it's not. It's not which fab is making it. I'm talking about from a design standpoint. Qualcomm has to make a part that is competitive price wise. The end price they sell it to a customer,
2: which includes the square area of the, right.
0: Right. That's okay. a significant portion
2: of. Gotcha. That, right. Gotcha. Um, okay.
0: Whereas for Apple, they don't really care.
2: So this is just the, in the design stage yeah. is where people are trying to make a, you know small, words? Of a, a small. If you compare a... the
0: die size of the A11 to the die size of the 835 or whatever their next-gen part is, right. right? compare performance per millimeter and say, like, are they comparable there? Does one have the advantage over the other? Mm-hmm. Right? It gets very complicated because you really want to compare just the area of a core, right. not the area of the whole die, because there's so much other stuff that's in these things. Uh, but it's really hard to do, even if you look at, like, Tech Insights articles. It's very hard for them to uh, go isolate. down to, like, isolate. Yeah. yeah, isolate just one big core, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, you don't know what the caches are, what DSP accesses it might be using, and all that type of stuff. Right. So,
2: but you're saying that generally the Apple parts are just going to use a lot more space yeah. for those and things. and they don't
0: care, right? Because yeah. they just want to get the performance they need at, and the time that they need it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you, if you have the flexibility to make the die a little bit bigger, you could maybe do things a little bit faster. You don't have to be as perfect with layout and design. And I mean, you could optimize. Just kind of move things through because you just throw transistors at the
2: problem, basically. Yeah. Like It's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, as long as you keep power down, yeah, you can throw as many
3: transistors as you want. You know, with with the amount of things that uh, go into low uh, low clock states and low power states, uh, yeah, you could you could. I mean, remember when uh, they had one of their first designs? I think it was the a 4 or A 5 and it was a massive chip. It was something like 150 millimeters square for a cell phone. And I think you're you're probably hitting this one right in the head. I mean, they don't care about the margins nearly as much, just as long as the entire product as a whole has the margins that they're aiming for. Right. And they can mix and match and things. And again, it's not as nearly as cutthroat as, as Qualcomm trying to to uh, you know go against rock chips or or whoever else is is right. Doing these these parts these days, so yeah, they uh, they they do have flexibility. Uh, they've got wafer agreements with uh, different guys that probably are pretty uh, pretty positive for them as compared to others. And so yeah, the, a lot of these pressures are off of them. I mean, there's there's there are good things with going completely vertical, mm-hmm. and there are some obvious uh, uh, drawbacks, namely if your design guys miss a cycle. You're going to be in bad shape because then you have to try to somehow leverage another design into your product to be um, com- uh, comparable to you know the latest and greatest from other guys. But as long as you guys don't miss a cycle, yep. then, yeah, you've got a closed uh, and vertical infrastructure and you can do a lot of interesting things there
0: to be able to meet the margins that you want. Imagine, imagine being Qualcomm and you compete against Samsung – To be in Samsung phones. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a competition you have to be in,
2: (laughs) right? Which is tough
0: competition. The Galaxy S, you know, starting with what the S6 maybe, started doing this split design where there was a Samsung Exynos Mm -hmm. in some and a Snapdragon in others. And, you know, you don't want to lose that business. The the Galaxy phones are the largest selling high end Android smartphones in the market, right? So they've all that comes into play. Whereas for Apple, they're just like, I don't really care. It's, it, it's an interesting discussion to have, for sure. It may be something we can do some more on recently or coming up. Uh, quick, before we move on to the next story, we have our uh, first new patron today, uh, Michelle Aldahan. Alda, Aldahan, I'm going to say, pledged $3. Thank you very much. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, all right. Now we'll move on and talk to Alan about um, some storage stuff. Mm-hmm. We've heard about V Rock for a little while. It was we kind have. of announced, kind of, sort of, um, during the X299, X299 release, but not really announced. It was announced more by Asus. And it that was. was some of their marketing
2: materials, and they had this they card this, they showed. This Hyper, uh, what's the full name of the? Hyper M.2 M. Two M. Two by,
0: by 16,
2: 16. card. Yeah. So it has four
0: M.2 by 4 slots on it, right? Um, now, what's interesting is. We heard about it, and Intel had mentioned it, but they never really launched it. They didn't really talk about it. They didn't show a driver for it. Uh, long story short, we got this card in from ASUS, yep. which is not directly tied to VRock. Like, you could use this.
2: You, you can use it in, a, in a, uh, just, a, like, just what's called the data mode, right? Uh, where the X99 platform and the Skylake X processors can do what's called PCIe bifurcation bifurcation right which is where you plug something into a by 16 slot so say you know what were those gpus in the past where you had two gpus on one card mm-hmm. they had to have a pcie switch mm-hmm. on them in order to split two eight lane gpus or two sixteen lane onto a single yep. 16 lane bus right um imagine if you could just tell the cpu hey look like i'm going to plug in a by 16 card here i just want you to take four 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 just subdivide That's those. That's the bifurcation process. That's what bifurcation okay. does, right? Okay. Basically, just it's a reconfiguration of the slot. So physically, it's still a by sixteen slot, but you can talk to four individual devices okay. without needing a chip to do the you know multiplexing, right? And then um,
0: the other part that we found was after we got the card in and we had some drives, uh, Ken actually found a driver.
2: Posted yeah. publicly. Yeah, Ken came across a, a, a RSTE. He's like, "Hey, is when would, you need RSTE for me to make this uh, Rock thing work?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but all you know, none of the drivers were new enough. Like, nothing seems to support." He's like, "Oh, here's a new one." He's like, um, "Okay." On some website. Yeah, um, just on some backwoods, you know, dark corner of the internet. So we're just well, like, it's just like,
0: oh. it was not even that. Like it's like a driver depot.
2: Right, 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 right. So all the other pieces were already there. We already had like an uh, an ASUS BIOS mm-hmm. that enabled. So, you know all the V-rock. all the switches were there in the BIOS to put certain slots not only in the uh, you know four four data SSD mode but you could also put them in what's called VROC mode right, um, which is to put it simply, there's this thing called uh, volume management device mm-hmm. I think right VMD yep. VMD and that's again on Skylake X right yep. so there's VMDs which are basically groupings of sixteen lanes that you can reconfigure uh, so that kind of the CPU takes those lanes and does not pass them directly onto the operating system anymore. It takes them and kind of, it can enumerate uh, NVMe SSDs that are underneath that VMD that are attached to it. Mm -hmm. And then what the CPU then turns around and presents to the operating system is just a single block device of whatever those drives are. Sure. Right. Um, In the same way that a motherboard has done that with, RAID already, with Some, SATA RAID. Somewhat. Like, you know, R- RST, like on Z170, Z270. Yeah. It sort of does that, except the chipset is doing that. Sure. In this case, it's a, a portion of the CPU yeah. itself that's doing that, and these SSDs are connected directly to the CPU. Which, right?
0: in theory, gives you one less hop of latency to... Not spe- just one
2: less hop of latency, but now we don't have to deal with DMI. Well, you is- didn't have to deal with that on this platform to begin with, right? Right, right. But we don't have to de- deal with DMI and raiding, uh, okay. raiding storage devices Like you together. did if you had a SATA, even. Right, right. So, so
0: then Vrock sits on top of that, essentially, and it basically uh, allows you to do RAID on the CPU through yes. this VMD.
2: Through the VMD. The VMD groups the drives for you, and then Vrock is the thing that kind of does the, the RAID portion okay. of it. Okay, okay. Right? Uh, so they both work together um we have a couple of slides there that we were that we were looking at those are from like you went to a uh, xeon press yeah. day this is
0: all stuff from a xeon tech day uh, yeah uh, where they talked about vrock and i remember very specifically being in that room and all the uh reviewers asking like so when is this coming out or like yeah we heard about this on the consumer side what do you know about that and everyone was like eh, yeah eh,
2: moving yeah. on and what's funny is that it was just like you know these were these slides were spread out across a bunch of different briefings correct from that day and it's just like only one slide in each thing that talked about this. So yeah. I could totally, I wasn't there, but I could picture that being one of those things where everybody starts asking questions about it. Cause, and, and, you yeah. know, yeah. and then they just move on and then so, they just move on. It's just like, ah, well, that's all we got to tell about you right now. And like, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but like we're, we're pressed, we're here. Tell us about this thing, you know, anyway. Um, you saying, so does,
3: so does V rock stand for virtual race of champions? No,
2: <laughs> virtual raid on CPU. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, we had all these pieces and we supposedly had a driver. So, it's like, okay, well, let's just, you know, let's just try to make the thing work. So, there's a, there's a screenshot of the BIOS with, you know, you can choose each slot, uh, you know, each slot that's a by 16, you can reconfigure it to run in VRock mode. Uh, put some Optane, you know, we just, we had 30, or 32. We had four 32 gig Optane parts.
0: Now, to be fair, like, this is not the first thing most people would think of when doing this. It's you not. W- you wouldn't take four 32 gig. Optane modules, you would take four NVMe SSDs, like uh, 960 Pros or whatever. Right, right. But the reason
2: we started with this is because supposedly this is only supposed to work with Intel SSDs to boot from at a minimum. Right. And we had these, these are Intel SSDs that we had four of the same capacity. So it just kind of like, you know, and not only that, but I wanted to test the latency performance of VROC and see just how nimble and fast it is. Mm -hmm. You know, how much overhead it adds and whatnot. And honestly, Optane parts are probably the best thing for that since their latency is so low, right? So sure. There, any, any additional latency increase we get going to be pretty easy to tell if you're testing with Optane parts. Mm-hmm. Especially since, from a benchmarking standpoint, Optane is a dream to test. You don't have to worry about preconditioning. You don't have to worry about running 4K random for a long, you know, X amount of time in order to out the performance. It doesn't care. The performance right. is always stable. It doesn't matter what you do to it. Um, so there it is. Uh, you know, can install the driver. Drive showed up, configured an array, um, you know, off to the races, literally. Like it just it just worked. It was just like.
0: Now, one of the confusing know. parts about all this is that V Rock
2: uses keys. It uses it, it a does. physical
0: key to. Uh, admit, based on this slide, which is from an Asus presentation,
2: I believe, mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on the, just looking at the styling and stuff. Um, well, the top. Picture there is from the V Rock FAC on the Intel site.
0: Right. Yeah. The um, second one was I was looking at there about the keys where, you know, RAID, they basically say the same thing, right? So, well, no, actually, they say different things. No, they things. don't. They yeah, say yeah. two different things. So, so uh, the out of key at the top one in the Intel one, it says you only get pass through. Uh huh. Right. And then on the bottom slide there, it says you can get RAID 0 with no key.
2: With no key. Right. And even more confusing is that we are in pass through mode since we don't have a key and yet we can create a RAID 0. The,
0: the, I, think what, I think it's important to note here, because maybe we didn't make it apparent up front, it's like, this, Intel didn't launch this
2: product. Yeah, it's not actually we, officially we're, launched. We're
0: basically screwing around with it in a pre-release state <laughs> yeah. where Intel hasn't made the drivers work really nice, or there's a little bit more tweaking in the BIOS that could happen to make it um, more apparent. The yeah. messaging clearly needs to be corrected and yes. fixed, um, and, uh, you know, communicated in a better way.
2: Um, yep. and so, and despite one, the
0: fact that people hated the idea of needing keys to begin with, I understand that, but even like, tell us for sure whether or not you need a key to do
2: a B or C. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And even more confusing is that like, uh, compare this V rock thing. So as far as what we understand of these VMDs, the, you know, the management device, yep. um, you're, a person with one of these cards that plugs it into a given slot on a motherboard, each one of the, that's a set of by-16 lanes. Well, VMDs are by-16 lanes, unless you get creative with a PLX chip right. or something else, which is not going to just come on your motherboard, right? Uh, so for all intents and purposes, uh, if you're just an end user, you just want to have one of these raids that's bootable, you can only boot from a VMD. You cannot boot from multiple VMDs combined into a RAID. In other words, Mm -hmm. you can't boot on this platform from more than four drives, right? Now, compare that to Z170 or Z270 RAID. You can do three drives, Mm -hmm. right? That's your limit. Now, granted, you're limited by DMI throughput, and there's other kind of limits there, but on the flip side to that, you can do RAID 0, you can do RAID 1, you can do RAID 5. Sure. Those are all unlocked. There's no key, right? So, VROC in a practical from practical sense you know from a just regular consumer just wants to have raid on their motherboard sense you're only adding one more drive you're only getting four drive support now Mm -hmm. instead of three if you want a bootable nvme ssd raid right so why go through all this hassle of keys that you know i have it on good authority that the the premium key in other words if you want raid 5 Mm -hmm. more than 100 bucks Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh the uh standard key, which is just to do raid one, is actually uh almost a hundred dollars.
4: That's just silly.
2: That's it's it's silly that why would you have to spend so imagine you want the other one? Mm-hmm. It's almost half the price of the motherboard. You're gonna spend another half again amount of money on the motherboard that you that you spent on the motherboard just to be able to do raid five with four drives? Yeah. Like, just one more drive than you could already do RAID 5 with on a cheaper platform? Makes no sense to me, right? So so it's so, limited across the board to four drives. Well, no, it's limited to bootable. Bootable.
1: Okay. Yeah. Because you could have a boot RAID and then
2: a secondary... You could have, like, RAID. another RAID. Or if you, or if you were going to boot from SATA or just some other NVMe SSD yeah. that was directly, you know, mm-hmm. connected to the board somewhere, some other lanes, right? Some other PCI lanes. Mm-hmm. You could have... I mean, the technology supposedly supports up to 20. Okay. If you can physically get them connected to the CPU, you can do a, a RAID across multiple... In that case, it would be across multiple VMDs, right? right. Yeah. It's just that you can't boot from that because you, you can't enumerate that within, into one device because basically the driver has to do the consolidation of, like, multiple VMDs,
4: right? Okay, but, but each VMD is limited to four devices?
2: Each, each VMD is limited to 16 lanes... You could do more than four if you had a PLX, but that would have to be either on the card or on the motherboard somewhere. You'd have mm-hmm. to get creative, you know, okay. and it but, would not be a cheap thing. But, but the right?
4: assumption is, is the majority of users will use this with up to four drives.
2: Yeah, that would be the regular way to like, you know, this, this you know, this HyperKit card installed into a motherboard. Mm-hmm. Four drives, right? And it's going to take up one VMD. And there's okay. no way to get additional drives connected to that VMD. So that's your limit for booting right okay. and you'd think if someone's gonna go through all the hassle of n v m e raid and et cetera, they want to boot from it right, right. O- on just a you know workstation sure, platform sure, sure. or you know yeah right, so anyway, so let's... we get it all working yep, okay uh now, how does it do right so I tested a couple of different things um I compared the four drive optane array to a four drive 960 Pro, uh, 512 gig drive array. Mm -hmm. So two terabytes worth of, you know, Samsung's fastest SSD that they make, right? Uh, Basically see, you know, how high high does the throughput go? How how high does the IOPS go? Stuff like that, right? So if you kind of scroll through there, uh, you know, testing it out first, looking at random access. Now, you would think the 960 Pros would be pretty quick, but the Optane array, even though it's, you know, one-twentieth of the capacity or or whatever that is, whatever that number works out to, uh, just walks all over it in random access. Like, it just literally just makes fun of it. Um, So you're getting up to, like, 550,000 IOPS. um, But the more important thing to look at there is how high are the IOPS when you're at low queue depths, because that's, you know, where you're actually going to be. But the single drive number was something like 86,000 IOPS. And then as soon as we started adding any amount of drives... It dropped to fifty-five thousand, so it almost cut the the access, like how many IOPS you can do in half. Uh, that turned out to just to be the the latency added by VROCK. So if you were using VROCK, it you know it adds some latency in the grand scheme of things. That amount of latency was not very high. It was like six microseconds, micro, not milla, right? Six microseconds per request, but. The Optane memory modules do requests in 10 microseconds compared to, you know, regular NAND SSDs. Like the Samsung ones are really fast. They do like 60 or 70 microseconds, uh, you know, per per request. But, you know, Optane's down to 10. So when you add 6 on top of 10, you know, it hurts you on performance, right? And you can actually see that there on the bar graphs, too. Like the blue bar on the first, you know, the buy one, that's just one drive. As soon as you add the second, third, or fourth drive, those, those blue bars just kind of like drop to a, to, a, you know, to a different level. And then the Samsung parts are on the right side of that and uh, you know, obviously don't go nearly as fast. Now, if you keep scrolling down, we get to sequentials, and everything kind of flips around the other way. Um, there's your, that was your random read latency. Keep going, keep going. There you go. So here is your sequential speeds, and there is uh, two groupings. They both start from two separate points on the charts there, and they fan out. And the reason they fan out uh, is because, uh, you know, just adding additional drives. So the, the maximum sequential speed that you, uh, that you can see will go up higher and higher. Optane drives are only PCIe by two. Right. Um, and they don't even really saturate that. They come close, but they don't fully saturate it. So the most you're going to get from a four-drive Optane memory array uh, is, like, you know, not even six gig per second. But remember, DMI limit you know, was about 3.6, 3.8 gig per second. So you're already blowing that out of the water. We're a little
0: bit ahead of that. We're a little bit ahead of that,
2: yeah. Um, Now you look at the Samsung drives, and those go up pretty high. Um, If you scroll down, there's a... 13 gigs per second. There is a much clearer chart. If you One more, one more chart. Uh, Yeah, there is just the QDEP32 performance of the Optane. Basically, here's your scaling, right? You know, when you're doing your GPU reviews, you used to do all the... Your, your quad Crossfire and quad SLI scaling. You know, what was your percent scaling? Remember that? Right. Uh, we're basically 100% scaling. For every time you That's add good. another drive, you just that much more throughput just gets added, right? Um, all the way up to a little bit over 13 gig per second um, for the Samsung drives. Pretty quick. Um, you know, unfortunately, you can't boot from the Samsung array. Uh, today yeah today uh, you might be able to in the future we don't know for sure but as it is right now uh you know you're not supposed to be able to boot from non-intel ssds um so uh the other thing i compared it to on the next page i just i did some back and forth comparisons between uh the um vrock and z270s rst mm-hmm. right um and uh, what I found was the Z270 platform actually added less latency per request, even in a RAID. Um, so the initial charts there are just looking at single-drive performance. Okay. But then if you flip through a few of those, um, you'll end up getting to... There's your sequential read. Keep going. There you go. So there is VROC, Uh and then I'm showing, you know, one, two, three, and 4 drives. Of course, I have to end at 2 for the... Z270, because we don't have a motherboard that has three. Well, yeah, right now. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm sure one will come out eventually, but they're, I, I looked. Asus doesn't even make one yet. They're all well, limited what to was, two. Well, we had a Gigabyte one that did three at one point. That was a Z170. Ooh, okay. Um, and the Z170 platform added about as much latency per request as VROC does. It was about six microseconds. However, the Z270 platform is much better at it. Hmm. It only adds, like, two or three microseconds per request. So it's actually very good at it, uh, especially if you're using Optane drives. Not that you'd want a three times 32 gig Optane drive as your boot drive. It's not exactly, you know, great. Um, yeah. And then I had a dashed line to the chart because just based on what we know of how all that stuff works, we can guess, like, where would the performance be if you had three in a Z270 or 8? Um, so you'll notice, like, uh, basically... The Z270 is really giving the, the V Rock stuff a run for its money, like because the That's latency is lower, right? But um, the
0: difference is you just can't get the the peak bandwidth numbers because you r- can't scale r- up.
2: Right, right there on that chart, you yeah. see that the yellow line and then the gray line, they both level off at 3.5 gig per second, whereas the V Rock stuff just, you know, sails right through it. Right. Right. I mean, the single. With
0: both the Optane and the NVMe yeah. 960 Pro. I
2: mean, the orange line on that chart is Samsung. In the V-Rock RAID, the single Samsung SSD is almost faster sequentially than, you know, three drives in a RAID under Z270. Right. Because DMI is the bottleneck. DMI is the same throughput as you can see in the maximum throughput from a single 960 Pro. Because that's also by four, right? So, lots of interesting stuff, basically. Uh, we tested only RAID 0 for this. You know, you can do RAID 1 and 5 on Z270. You will be able to do RAID 1 and 5 on VROC once you have a key. And interesting, another interesting point of the driver is that you can create RAID 1 and RAID 5 in, like, a trial mode with the driver. Right. Like, it'll let you do it. It'll let you do it for 90 days. Mm. Uh, you can't boot from that because you need the key for the BIOS to be able to see it during boot. So you can make the array in Windows and use it but you just can't – if you boot from it, the BIOS doesn't even understand that there's an array there unless it's RAID zero. Sounds
0: like
1: a good way to teach people to back up data.
2: It's really – you know <laughs> – <laughs> Oh, today is day, day 91. 90 days. Boom. Start yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, I better make sure you're back up before day 91. Um, yeah, it just it, – that just really bugs me that just a whole mess of like – trials and keys I, and I'm all this.
0: Curious, I'm curious. So we have another story we'll get to uh, in a little bit, too, about AMD and Threadripper and all this type of
2: stuff, too. We so. do. But there is one more point about yeah. this, which happened about, I don't know, an hour ago in the office right here. Uh, I was trying to get the Intel products to boot, and we couldn't get them to boot. Yeah. Um, we couldn't install Windows onto them. We couldn't, you know, did you do the whole, obviously you need to load a driver during the Windows install process, but we right. couldn't get it to recognize the array no matter what. I somehow managed to get that working and then kind of assume that there's no way Windows is actually going to boot from this thing once the installer is done. It's just going to crash. Yep. You know, rebooted, went back into the BIOS, couldn't even find it in the boot. Like if you hit F8 to choose your boot device, Mm -hmm. I did not have an array there. Did not show up. Did not show up. But and yet, it still boots into (laughs) Windows. I don't even understand why that works. It shouldn't. By every indication I have, it should not have worked um and yet and yet it does um so so Mm. not only is it so previously the arrays were showing up as bootable volumes under their gui once you're in windows but it also says yes to that same thing if you make a samsung array which makes no sense because the bios does not see it as an array if it's made of 960 pros Mm. whereas if they're made of intel drives then it will right Mm. um however Now, that same console also shows that it is, in fact, the system volume because it was the only volume in the system. Right. And there it is. Only one drive made of four. So, this is not something we would recommend
0: anybody do for their own system Uh, yet. Not really. Especially as
2: the boot array. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I will say this I mean, all the confusion aside and like the things that look like they might not work properly or whatever, like when it has worked it's actually worked great that's what's funny yeah Mm. is that like the performance is good for Mm. a thing that's as beta or alpha as it is i'm just shocked that i was making arrays and like my array testing process was not exactly nice like so for the samsung for the samsung array i had to precondition the array so i'm hitting it with random access i'm hitting it with sequential access for like minutes at a time straight and I'm being pretty hard on it, right? And then I'm running a test that's very sensitive to latency, like our latency percentile testing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of it, I looked at, I didn't put all those profiles in the review because it would have been 20 pages worth because there were so many data points here. Right. But uh, every single latency percentile plot was as consistent as I would have expected it to be. In other words, there were no hiccups. There were no stutters going on. Right. Everything was super, like super smooth. So it's like, you know, interface and like funny little option stuff missing all that stuff aside, the performance-wise, it's, it's, like, done. Mm. You know, it just seems finished to me. Mm. It's just I don't know
0: what the hold-up is. It just you can't easily make it
2: work because like, all the little, you know, pieces aren't in line yet, I guess. Interesting. It, is yeah. there
4: any consumer-competitor products to this where, like, you can raid multiple NVMe drives in a hardware raid with a built-on controller on a built-on card?
1: Oh, um,
2: there's
1: a crazy RAM array thing.
2: So you're talking like, you're you're talking like a, a card with a RAID chip on it that can talk yeah, to... okay. it th- does the same thing. Throw four SSDs on it,
4: you get, and it spits out there a RAID is. array.
2: High Point is close. High Point makes a card that looks like this, mm-hmm. that will enumerate the drives, and I think it will even put them in an array. It just won't be bootable yet.
4: Okay, so it still is passing through.
2: It's sort of like a pass-through thing. They make right. a different card that does not, you don't put M.2 directly onto it. It's like, uh, you know, U.2 connectors or something on it. Right. And then that's supposed to be bootable and, uh, you know, a bootable RAID. But right. it's very picky on which drives it supports. Right. Because they have to add support. Like, you can't just, NVMA is not like SATA. Right, right. It's you can't just different. say, yes, that's a SATA thing. I, it'll just work. NVMe has, there's extra driver stuff that goes on there. There's actually a driver that transfers from the NVMe device to the controller during boot that tells it, like describes how to talk to it and stuff like that. Right. So
4: what I'm getting at is even though the price tag on the VROC key is going to be over, you know, close to or over $100. Sure. There is no competing product at that price point.
2: No, but uh, there's an AMD thing we might be talking about. Pretty soon here, yeah, and good like, for that, yeah. That, that uh, might do it <laughs> yeah, without we do a hardware need to move card. Past this topic, so yeah, yeah. Um, You know, but but yeah, there's nothing like so from that, from the standpoint of is the key like worth the money? I'm sure to some people it will be. It just it seems really silly that like if you know the history of Intel's products regarding the key because this is not the first thing that has a key. Their enterprise chipsets they would have chipsets that had SATA controllers on them that if you put a key in it would become a SAS controller. And if you put a different key in, it would be it would go from a four channel SAS controller to an eight channel SAS controller. Like the board already had eight ports, obviously, and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. four ports up here. But like you know, you you were unlocking additional features, like enterprise grade features, with a key, which was kind of like a license, right? Fair enough. But I understand that they would continue trying to use a key for this to kind of do their market segmentation thing. They don't want to mix Xeon E stuff with sure. I'm sure know, that's what it is. They, they don't want a company ordering a thousand of these consumer boards and rolling out a bunch of 20 drive raid 5 arrays and you know stuff like that of NVMe parts right and just doing a whole cluster of them fair enough but don't limit it don't limit like which kind of raids you can make limit how many drives you can put in or something you know if you limit it to four drives do whatever you want with four drives raid 0 raid 1 raid 5 you know just like the Z270 chipset but just don't do more than four or we just don't support more than four to boot from or something like that or or even just more than four period without a key right right now you can do your market segmentation thing and you're not alienating the people that just want to buy you know they want a raid of NVMe things like they're used to with Z170 board they just had they just don't want to have to give it up to sure. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. right i don't know it's just i'm curious yeah. to see
0: if intel changes the changes any inter- changes internally Any on this discussion, right? And maybe that's why there's a delay. Maybe there's a debate yep. internally about why they, how they distribute and, and charge for this type of stuff. That's true. They it's also just like a rearrange. logistical nightmare to have to charge for these little keys and who's responsible for it. Was Asus going to sell them? Is, is Newegg going to sell them? Uh, is Intel going to sell them directly? Like, it's, it's,
2: yeah. it does, it's not something a consumer should have to worry about or think about. Enterprise, enterprise customers are used to yep. a multiple hundred dollar thing that's nothing more than a dongle. Yeah, yeah. They can digest that because they're used to it. Yeah. yeah. Regular consumers are just going to, you know, they're just going to say, the hell with that. Right. They're just like, that's, I think so. that's a completely alien concept to them. It has been since what AutoCAD, you know, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years ago or whatever, had a dongle. That was like the most consumery thing you would see that had a dongle back then. That's gone. Nobody and, else, you know, and, the,
4: and they would break randomly.
2: Yeah, that too. But I, like,
4: I remember having AutoCAD class. We used to use video just, editing right. software here that had a, a dongle. But just, you uh, know, speaking,
2: speaking from a general consumer standpoint, people are just going to poo-poo all over any kind of uh, concept of, of dongle. For Easy a thing. now. Watch your language. You know, yeah. well, I'm, I'm trying to keep it, <sighs> you know, especially when the motherboard's pushing $400 in the first place. Yeah. Right? It's an expensive platform. You're potentially spending $2,000 on an 18-core CPU. You're going to go through all that. And then, oh no, we needed another couple hundred bucks for me for this little, yeah, just a little thing.
0: Yeah, it just says yeah. you can
2: do this one extra feature, right? Well, anyway, uh,
0: the story's up on the site. If yeah. you aren't sick of hearing about it yet, sorry, uh, V Rock, V Rock. We're we're looking at it still. We'll see. Uh, we'll go through these other items quicker. Um, Tim posted a, a a a just delivered, which is not a review, but it's actually fairly in depth. Of the Cryo Rig um, H5 Ultimate CPU cooler. It's a $45 cooler, so it's fairly cost efficient. Um, and he was basically saying he didn't want to go with another all in one liquid cooler because he saw leaking coolant. And, you know, that's, that's an understandable, um, understandable thing to, to dive into. And uh, he does know at some point in this post that it is not his pink case, it is his wife's computer that he's building this in. But, you know, that's a pink? You know, it's hard to oh, see. I can from almost that, see but. the
4: motherboard. Yeah, I know. That that is one of the cutest motherboards I've seen in a long time. That's a micro ATX motherboard. That supports Oh wait, there's SLI. a motherboard there. Oh,
0: wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> that supports SLI. It just gives you a little idea. It's even more
2: surprising this isn't Maury posting it. Yeah, I know. That's that almost puts Maury's reviews to shame. The the proportion of that cooler to Look, that motherboard.
0: Envy. Look how close that fan is to not fitting inside <laughs> the case
2: <laughs>
0: horizontally. There you go. You get a little better idea of the of the pink color of that chassis there it is back in the corner that's probably tim's bunny um but not his computer case is
1: ashamed of itself it's hiding its face in the corner yeah
0: so i would read this post tim says if you're interested in a monster cooler cooler like this double check your case and ram clearances which is obviously a good idea had pretty good performance though Um, So worth checking out Uh, The TLDR, of this update, is that the cooler is working as designed with cool air coming out of the back of the case. Uh, And he's got low temps in there as well, 55C. I would hope so. So, As big as that cooler is. Hey, you know. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And it's probably not massively overclocked either. So that's worth keeping an eye out for. Uh, All right. So what else happened? Sebastian posted uh, posted a post. Posted a post. Google announced Pixel Two and Pixel Two XL smartphones, second-gen versions of the Nexus replacements um, that were from last October. So we're now we're starting this and the annual cadences again. Um, these are Snapdragon 835 based devices. Uh, there's a five-inch 1080p AMOLED, and then the XL is a six-inch POLED. What is POLED? Is that Pentile? I think so. No, it's uh, plasticized. It's got a plastic layer on top of it. If
1: you scroll down, he's got a picture of the different uh, types of screens. I mean, it's like flexible or something?
3: Mm-hmm. Keep going. Oh, right here.
0: There you go. Huh.
3: And what's, no, the, it's, what's it's, the benefit for that? It's
0: thinner. Uh, being much thinner right, than so traditional glass OLED substrates. Hmm. Interesting. And that's on the XL model, then. Got it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of a lot they took of to jack off. Wait, what? jack off. They took the headphone jack off. <laughs>
1: yes, I do like saying that, but I'm still mad.
0: Uh, they have dual front-facing stereo speakers, though, Jeremy. Yeah?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make up for but it. The bus might not appreciate that. That's true. Uh, 2700- I do appreciate losing the wireless earbuds.
0: Yeah, 2700 milliamp-hour battery on the Pixel... Two and 3,500 milliamp hour on uh, the XL. Uh, they talked about uh, the camera on here for a long time. The DxO mark is the number one amongst smartphones. The DxO mark is like a reference benchmark for camera testing. Well, they, I mean, I they,
2: they do the testing. Right. Like, it's not just a benchmark you no, run. No, no, but like I it's mean, a, it's, a I
0: it's a benchmark, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's their result is sure. the benchmark yeah for for these things so we got a 98 out of a possible 100 um i don't I, I, they mentioned in special mission here like what the iphone gets i'm curious what the difference is uh so we talked about the display differences there um there's a quick switch adapter it goes from lightning to uh usb type c okay so you can transfer all your stuff from your iphone to your pixel 2 that's funny that's pretty good. Uh, Pricing-wise, not great. Uh, 649 gets you the 5-inch Pixel 2 with 64 gigs or 100 bucks more for the 128 gig. The Pixel 2 XL is $849 for the lower capacity and uh, $949 for the 128 gig capacity. So That's up there. That is that – is, uh, it's not quite iPhone 10 pricing –
2: because that starts at nine ninety nine. iPhone eight pricing.
0: Uh, iPhone eight yeah.
3: plus with two hundred fifty six gigs. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah.
0: I don't. I don't know if I um, understand that play. The super expensive play. These are single single lens cameras for both of them. Yeah. Um. They they claimed that, I, they they announced like thirty things today, so we're not going to dive into it. But like one of the things they talked about with this camera was that it uses AI to do. Um, portrait mode photos as opposed to two lenses to doing portrait mode photos. Okay. So it figures out what you So you mean there's are. an
1: AI that just stops you from doing portrait mode ever? <laughs> uh,
0: I can see that being benef- beneficial to some people, yes. Yes. Um, you know, so I'm really curious to see how well that works. Uh, what else did Google announce? Today? They announced new Google Home speakers, they announced earbuds, they announced. Um, the hell else did they announce? There, was, there were several other things: a new Pixel, a new Chromebook Pixel, Chromebook, new Pixel Chromebook. It <laughs> was like yes. up to sixteen hundred dollars or something, depending on your specs. What are you doing? Crazy. It started a over a grand. Yeah, I think it starts at nine ninety nine.
2: Yeah. For a Chromebook, I always thought that over like the expensive Chromebooks is just a ridiculous idea.
0: I I, I really don't get it. I, I don't. Six Um dollars. The oh, they announced that. What was that name of that little camera that they announced? Anybody remember that? They announced a camera, Google Clips camera. Clips, yeah. Uh, that you just yeah. basically sit down and it uses AI to figure out when it should take pictures based on what it thinks is interesting that's happening.
2: What? <laughs> I am just envisioning envisioning a group of people just like, yeah, we'll just pose for this thing and it'll just take the picture, right? The idea is, is it's there. supposed to
0: detect like motion <laughs> or like motion to stopping or I don't know exactly what it is. Everybody
2: but it, just stand still. It'll take the picture eventually, and it's just like just not taking the picture. They just use like, it.
0: They use. It's supposed Until to be something scratches. that like you yeah. set in your living room <laughs> and it takes pictures. Just and every whenever once in a while you can see it's whenever it feels see like pictures it, it took. <laughs> what, <laughs> it this is sounds a, weird.
2: This is a horrible idea. What it could s- possibly <laughs> go wrong weird, with this? But,
0: i love the idea of it so like the, the example that one time that mom the, and dad had a
2: spontaneous moment in the living room <laughs> right yeah that's well, true and then they had the neighbors over the next day hey look at this camera thing we got it's so you, cool let's flip through these pictures we'll just flip through these pictures oh no no not that um,
0: one the example that the presenter gave which as a as a as a, a father of a young child i can understand is like um they said like Uh, their two kids were like reading a book on the balcony at vacation together. It was very cute. And she went out there with her phone to try to take a picture and they stopped. They didn't want to do the thing that was being cute anymore. So then she left this little camera sitting on the, like a counter table there. Mm -hmm. Right. And then left, they resumed and it took pictures of those things. Okay. So it's an interesting idea. Uh, And and I think I kind of like the idea of, Things are—it's just always taking pictures. Like I love the idea in here where we've talked about uh, sometimes the conversations we just have spur of the moment for five minutes are really interesting and maybe other people would like to listen to them. Yeah, it'd be nice. So if we, we just... always had something here that was recording audio, but it had the intelligence to be like, "Hey, that was actually really cool. Yeah, you should maybe we do should, something with this. We and should share publish it. that. Right? Boom." Done. Yeah, maybe not <laughs> automatically, but, like, say – and then at the end at the end of the evening, it says, hey, by the way, there were two conversations that we thought were really interesting that you might consider. Do you want to review them? Yes or no? And then it deletes them. Same thing cool. with, like, pictures, right? Like, hey, we thought these five moments were interesting today. Especially this one. Especially this one at one thirty a.m. on that couch, weird guys. Uh, if you dad want to were delete wrestling. it, please send two bitcoins to <laughs>
2: – Yeah.
0: So anyway, that was the Google stuff. The Pixel XL, Snapdragon. I, I, I want to try these phones. They, you know, there's a whole lot of Google Assistant changes that come along with this stuff. Um, yeah, so we'll see. The earbuds were interesting too. The chat's all over the blackmail thing. Yeah, you have to be comfortable with having a device that's always spying on you all the time. Which we haven't we have an Amazon Echo here. I have Amazon Echoes at home. Our phones are always listening as well. Yeah. Right? To some degree. So, I'm kind of just I'm kind of just done with it. Right? We've got a Nest camera that's always running in the office, right? So, it's kind of just Screw
2: it! Like they're just going to use those cameras to feed that thing. That's eventually going to become
0: nudism
1: That it's,
2: way, it's eventually going to become <laughs> self-aware. The thing that's feeding all those images to you yeah. know, and, and then it's just going to take over the world. And
0: all right, next item. AMD will have resin to their pinnacle next February. Mm. I can tell this is a Jeremy post just based on the title. What is the report? They here? make it
1: so easy. Yeah. Uh, well, we've we know the new code name. Uh, will be Pinnacle. And although they sort of said Pinnacle 7, Pinnacle 5, and Pinnacle 3, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick with the Ryzen name. Though then again, you don't know. Because honestly, they might pick Pinnacle so that the next one can be the downward slope. Because once you've hit the Pinnacle, exactly where you go from there, I don't know.
0: You just go to the next Pinnacle. Oh, it's a local high. It's, so no, a it's, 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 like, yeah, it's a local plateau. Yeah, it's up. a mountain range, okay. Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I like it.
1: So, <laughs> anyways, we will see uh, the sevens arriving early 2018, probably end of February, beginning of March. Pinnacle 5 and 3 will be in the end of March. So, it's kind of nice seeing them lead with their strong foot.
0: This Enterprise, is what they did this time.
1: Yeah. As opposed to previous ones where it's been. Sort
0: of no, wait, wait hold on. I, I, oh, no, I'm going to talk about this again. You, do we yeah. think that they're not going to call it Ryzen anymore? I don't think. So. I think they're going to keep Ryzen. Okay, I think Pinnacle, is, Pinnacle is still the code name. Code name. Okay, all right. Yeah. I was worried. I, I would be shocked if they all these all quickly. these puns and stuff you can do with with Ryzen, Risen, Rosen. I mean, we don't want to lose that. Ryzen Trout. Right. Yeah, we don't
4: want the guy yeah. in the chat to, have to change his name. <laughs> so, so this was what. The, the zen plus was named Correct. previously
0: yeah this is not the new architecture this is the uh process improvement slight tweak yeah
1: yeah it'll be uh 12 nanometer from Glofo. they're they've given it a fancy name uh leading performance i think it is 12 nanometer leading performance sure why nailed. the hell not So we'll see these fairly soon. Uh, And of course, there's going to be a new 400 series chipset, the X470 and B450, if you want to be even more confused buying parts at this moment. And the rumors I've been hearing is that it's not going to be a socket change, and I can't imagine any reason it would be. So you should still be able to use old processors or new motherboards, depending. But the real fun of today is what they did with their prices. If you've been on Amazon or Newegg or any of your favorite online retailers, you will have noticed a significant price drop in all of the current Ryzen uh, processors on the market. This is just like in the last day or so, right? Uh, This was earlier today and a lot of the places I'm seeing are saying it's a two-day sale. Not that the timing on that makes any sense whatsoever. So
0: uh, as, as the guy who was writing his Coffee Lake review up until this podcast <laughs> started, and I was like, well, I need to check the pricing of all these. Oh, wait a minute. The 1800X is 399 now, and the 1700X is 299 and the 1700 was 294 So figure that last one out. But um, yeah. Well, and the 1700 was probably with the Wraith Cooler. Might have, may, might have
1: the other been. ones were probably without the Wraith, but the yeah. 1700 the price sweet slot, was with the uh, included Wraith okay, Guler. Sure. But I, the thing, one of the things that they're saying with this two-day sale is, we know something's happening tomorrow. Uh, we're going to jump the gun on it a little bit and see how well we do. I wonder if those- and if the prices have to stay this point, well, the sale's done, but these are our new base prices and we have to drop down further for sales. Which could be dangerous for AMD, uh, depending on what kind of returns they're hoping for and if they can really make it up uh, in bulk. But in the meantime, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, as Ryan said last week, don't buy any new computer parts before October 5th. Yeah. But check the pricing tomorrow because it's October 5th last I checked. The pricing could be very interesting.
0: Yep, fair enough. I, I think I think it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I do hate like, I had this debate about what price do I write about in the review because like, hey, the launch price was four ninety nine, and that's still technically the MSRP for these processors. They haven't sold for that in a while, so do I do four forty nine? Do I do three ninety nine? So I've got a little bit of both in there. So uh, the uh, next bit up there, you seem to be
2: seem to be doing some. Keep, keep going. I'm I'm with you.
0: AMD releases NVMe RAID support for the X399 Threadripper platform. Tim actually wrote this up. And this is not a uh like performance review like we have a V-Rock. We're still working with AMD on some issues with this that we've had some performance inconsistencies. We will say so. Uh, the, I, I I may I can make an array no problem.
2: The driver installs. Yeah. All that stuff works.
0: Yeah, I mean the The, the idea here is that this is NVMe RAID through the processor,
2: like,
0: like we have seen with similar, V-Rock,
2: similar to V-Rock,
0: but they don't have like and, a and
2: dongle free and dongle free dongle free, which, which they D- which they're making a very big deal about, which is fair, which is fair, right? Um, all that stuff it works. I made an array, no problem. Yeah. Like you know, you you, even, you can even use the same. And know. does
0: the Threadripper board that we have do bifurcation? Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. It, it doesn't have like a V-Rock do mode. Do we know what is
0: a, doing the raid? Is because they don't
2: like the AMD hasn't talked about any kind of VMD equivalent, they haven't. Uh, I can only assume that it's at the BIOS level. Mm -hmm. Like, and the reason I say that is because I've actually caught this drive. uh, So, this card has uh, status LEDs for the four drives, yep, and I've caught it cycling through like in a pattern that almost looks like it's an array, like, numeration thing while at the post screen. So it's almost like, and the okay. post, and when you have an array made, the, the boot process takes significantly longer and it hangs at the post screen working on something right. for a while. So it's like, it's, it's sort of like they could have coded RAID support at the BIOS level. Okay. It doesn't have to be hardware on the CPU necessarily in order to be able to boot from it. You just have to kind of do some magic to enumerate the array before right. you try to boot from it. Right. right. Um, and this, is,
4: this is specifically for the X399 chipset.
0: Yes. Yeah, this is Threadripper only. This is not Ryzen. Correct, right? Cuz Threadripper is one where you've got 64 lanes of PCIe and the whole idea was, hey, you can do all these NVMe things. Yeah. Uh, but then the I was like, well, hey, if I'm going to have four NVMe drives or three NVMe drives, I'd maybe like yep. to have them in a RAID array and as do, opposed you, to three individual drives.
2: You do need BIOS support. We had to get a pre-release BIOS from Asus to even get the bifurcation option. Right. Um so, you know, even though the drivers out, like not everybody's going to be able to do this, at least not with one of these hyper cards, mm-hmm. right? Um, but again, all that stuff is very a very smooth process. That interface that's up on the screen right now is actually kind of cool. It's like a very enterprisey kind of level, uh, you know, interface for creating arrays and just right. dealing with that stuff. It's a uh, it's a little bit of a learning curve for probably the average person that's not familiar with one of those things, but they do have a very detailed like guide okay. on how to use it. Now, I will say that you have to get to, like, page 90-something of their guide <laughs> before they give you the the login, the default login for the console. Mm. So I had to control f my way through this thing. Sure. Uh, and the word login actually shows up an awful lot of times in the PDF, so finding the right place is kind of... You know, it just seemed like, okay, guys, seriously, come on. Give me, like, yeah. a quick start thing. I just need the login, right? Anyway, um, so, uh, like... All the interface stuff just works. It's like the opposite of V-Rock. V-Rock. we have this thing that performs rock solid. None of the interface stuff is really there. Like, you can't find the driver on the Intel site. Like, you just can't get all the parts, right? Now, the AMD thing, you have all the parts. It works. You can make an array real easy. But then the performance, we just haven't had, like, solid performance Yeah, yet.
0: And we're working with them to try to figure out what that is. Because, I mean, they posted their own perf result here, which just basically, you know, they have six NVMe 960 Pros running, right? And they're yeah. claiming up to 21 gigabytes per second of throughput um, and 11.5 yep. gigabytes per second
2: in, in writes. So 21 in reads, 11 in and, writes. And there's kind of something confusing there because their blog implies that the limit is six. They actually say, like, up to six. Up to six drives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Der Bauer has a video on YouTube right now where he's doing eight. How and is he
0: seeing more than 21 gigs?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got, like, 26 gig per second or something. Like, we, clearly it was more than six drives worth of throughput, and he had, you know, eight drives in an array, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, right. now there's even confusion there. We don't know what the actual limit is. We don't have eight of those drives well, yet, so we can't test it. Yeah. Um Kind of tired of buying them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm working on trying to get us. Uh, yeah, four I don't want to have to buy four more. Right.
0: Um, so basically, if you have a Threadripper board, there's one huge caveat to this, which was if you already had a SATA RAID array set up on your Threadripper yeah, system, yeah, you have to blow that away in
2: order to initiate. You have to back this. it up because you. Well, you can do it without backing it up, but you're probably going to lose it anyway.
0: Because you have to. Destroy the raid. Like disable raid, which in theory leaves you with two drives. Right. If you have two SATA drives, you have, you know, the in your running raid. Well, if you're running raid zero, they're dead.
2: Yeah. I mean you have to back it up. So you're still in raid mode. It's just I think that something about the way that it enumerates the if the old style raid versus the new style raid. Yeah. Like you can still make a SATA raid now. Right. It's just, it works, I think, different enough to where it just was not compatible with the old the old way. Yeah. So don't right. take
0: a chance, if you do this, if you have a Threadripper system, don't take a chance and not back up your RAID 0
4: SATA array or whatever you're using. Yeah. I, yeah. And with the new style, you said new style versus old style, can you have an
2: NVMe RAID coexist with a SATA RAID? I believe so. From what I think I saw on the BIOS, like I think you can still create... Both. SATA raids as well, right? Yeah.
4: What, what I'm getting at is, I'm wondering if they're repurposing the, the the
2: the SATA RAID controller for the NVMe RAID. I don't know. It's um. Oh, actually, I could tell you for a fact that SATA would probably work because, and you I gotta can be, tell
0: you for a fact that probably it would work. probably work.
2: You gotta be really <laughs> careful because I almost I almost messed something up because I was using a um an eight fifty pro five uh, twelve gig for the boot drive and I had 960 Pro 512 gigs, so other drives that were Samsung 512 gig drives for the NVMe drives, they all showed up in the console to create an array. Mm-hmm. I almost made an array, including the drive I was running the OS on, mm-hmm. <laughs> accidentally. Probably would have been bad. Because you go through, and you, you've, they, um, initially they all show up each in their own individual array as single drives. So like the right. boot drive shows up in its own array it's just an array of one drive it is worth right? noting
0: also AMD doesn't do raid 5 uh that's true it's only raid zero, one, 1 or 10 10
2: 0 1 and 10 they won't do 5 yeah. uh the interface has options to do 5 they're all grayed out it's almost like this is some epic maybe level enterprisey mm, thing it can be. Yeah, yeah. they but just said just well disabled for you that. know just the consumers don't get raid 5 the enterprise guys do fair enough like okay Seems unfortunate because in that case, now you can get RAID five. You got to pay money on Intel side, and you possibly can't get it on yep. AMD. Who knows? So
0: we'll we'll follow up with this later uh, with some more tests with it, with actual testing of our own. Once we kind of iron out those things, I would I would hesitate to recommend anybody dive into it. Quite yet,
2: yeah yeah. So. so on either side, neither one of these seems completely finished right now. <laughs> intel or amd yeah so don't go throwing everything you have at whatever that platform is because i've had actually several people in comments and a couple in email have been like uh after the vrock story went up like oh now i just need to know the amd side so i could figure out because there are people that want an nvme raid as their boot device and they're they're waiting on which platform to go with based on that and to that i say neither one yet right like don't we don't have a solid answer All
0: right. Yeah. Uh other items. Jeremy, you posted this one. Cooler Master Cosmos C seven hundred P. Uh it seems like an like a fairly good size case here, right? Well, you remember that ravine you played with? Uh the the one you could stand uh, on? Oh yes. Uh Raven. That was a Raven. Oh
1: well, sorry, it wasn't a ravine. It was a yeah. it was the Raven. So th- this thing is two foot tall, two foot long, and a foot wide. All right. It It weighs weighs 58 pounds. What the heck? (laughs) Well, You've got all the space you want inside of it. It is fairly well designed. I mean, the the Cosmos is a fairly old running series from them. It is. Uh, And they did take advantage um the front panel if you click through to the review or else don't. uh, It's got a Gen 2 Type-C port on the front, four USB 3.0s on the front, audio jacks, RGB buttons, well, and of course, power and reset. Because it's got a bit of acreage to place on there. The thing is just ridiculously large.
2: Oh God, interestingly God.
1: designed, and to make it funny, it will fit Micro ATX. It does have the standoff <laughs> points for that. <laughs> because.
0: <laughs> oh man! But it
1: will go all the way up to the XL ATX, as you'd expect. It's... It's impressive looking. Um, it's just, good lord, this thing is huge.
0: Do you know how much it is?
1: Uh, f- not off the top of my head. My God, how many pages is this last.
4: damn review? Do the, do the top rails act yeah, as uh, a
1: chain Uh Mostly it's so that you can pull the filter out without uh, having to worry. The filter pulls out from the front and obviously is not sitting on the ground. Yeah, I don't know that there was a price in this one. I think this is a preview. But let's see if Amazon knows.
0: This is the review we're looking at. It's over at uh, guru3d.com. So I think we still have the original Cosmos in the back room of this office yeah. too. I bet you could fit
1: it inside of it. It's uh, 300 bucks on uh, Amazon right now.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of money. But no, well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but
1: you can fit a case in your case (laughs) Uh,
0: another quickie msi uh everybody's announced their z370 boards this one from msi was more interesting we wanted i wanted to call it out this is the z370 godlike gaming eATX motherboard um and it's interesting for several reasons one it comes with a two pcie uh i'm sorry a two nvme pcie card it also appears to have 3 M.2s on the board itself. Okay. I don't think it, it must have uh, uh, PLX I mean, chips in there. If it's set, if it in any way is trying to tell you that so you can So wait, use wait, five wait. They're trying to say you have How M.2 many lanes total here? <laughs> so, there are 3 M.2 uh-huh. slots. uh uh-huh. And using the included PCIe riser card, you can get two extra M.2
2: slots. Right, but how many, like, those four PCI slots, are those by eights? Maybe the bottom two are by eights, or... I don't know. Like, because then you might have enough lanes, right?
0: Uh, I mean, this is a Z370, so it's only a 16-lane processor. what the... Yeah, that's why I don't really understand what's going on. Uh, But it's impressive looking. There's definitely...
2: Yeah, so PLX, it's got to be PLX. It's got to be PLX chips, yeah. Okay.
0: This also has uh, uh, a quarter-inch audio jack on the back it also has these huge antennas for eight hundred two eleven ac hold on z370 is is coffee
2: lake it's the one that's launching tomorrow okay yeah with only 16 lanes yeah you're not going to be able to raid why do you have so many m.2s why not? You can't raid them why not because they can i mean i guess you already got three on the board why would you in- include a card for two more if you can't like
1: Oh, you'll be able to because just wait. There's more use for those PCIe lanes. Uh, okay, this is the first time we see the killer extend. Well,
0: I don't need the PCIe lanes for that. Like uh, at least yeah. the ones I on would have thought. Well, I, I mean, it it, Alan's trying to figure out why you would need five M.2 slots on a platform.
2: Yeah, like typically you wouldn't. If you're going to do that many, you would be for some form of a raid. You would assume. Like, why would you? And you know, would, what and the RST
0: so. limits you to three.
2: Uh, RST limits but you to let's 3. Let's go back to a very old saying. N- not only is it a limit to 3, but they have to be connected to specific lanes. So, in other words, those lanes Maybe not from those 370? three slots are going to be going through the 370 chipset. And if you install all three of those SSDs, you will disable, I think, all but one of your SATA ports. Who needs SATA
0: when you got 5M.2?
2: Well, no, you can only have three in the RAID, is my point. Like, with the extra two couldn't possibly go to a raid unless they added a feature to 370 that we don't know exists. Maybe not. Or maybe they did. Yeah.
3: Josh, what did you going say? I'm sure I said, we- uh, happily, happily, excess is never
0: enough. Correct. I mean, sure. This board is the epitome of that, right? It also, as Jeremy mentions, it has three uh, gigabit Ethernet ports on it, and you might be thinking, God, why do I need three? This is the first board to use that uh, uh, the Killer Extend technology which we actually talked about a while back uh at computex i guess this is where you can use it as kind of like a a switch router
4: oh, as yeah. well or you yeah, can we extend were talking about wi-fi through yep. it
0: and you can do stuff right so it's yeah. it's interesting it's probably going to be a, a jesus lord expensive product <laughs> um I mean, it does still have a PS2 port, though, so
4: keep that in mind. Is is that a dial knob on the top right? It
0: is, yeah. This top right, is that's the dial knob. Um, This well, is actually we've the first, first Z370 port we had.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: and it's like an overclocking dial.
2: And it actually goes to 11. And it does go to 11. That's, yeah. I should point that out.
1: Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, because they've been doing that for a long time. I'm glad they haven't stopped that.
2: Now, to get to 11, it does skip, like... 8 or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, it only has 10 positions, but it does so. go to 11. I think so. All right, that's fair. And it starts at 0, I think also so they skip more than one number to get to 11. I think it might only have eight or ten positions yeah. or something. All right. Like, we got to run through these things.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's the Z370 Godlike, which is also a great name. Amazon Web Services releases Lumberyard Beta 1.11. Uh, there's a bunch of scripting changes in here. Scott wrote this up. Uh, this is the free game engine if you use Amazon Web Services along with it. Okay. Right. Interesting. It's a fork of Unreal Engine. No, Crytek. I'm sorry. Wait, which one is it? Does it run Crytek? The version replaces Crytek's FlowGraph? So it must be Crytek's. Yeah, all the, it's, it's got to be Crytek, Crytek. So it'll be pretty. Yeah. 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 Worth checking out. And, uh, and the emphasis on speed, we'll move on to the Corsair Glaive adjustable RGB gaming mouse. What's adjustable about it, Jeremy?
1: Well, you know who's got thumbs? Uh, this, this guy. guy, this guy, <laughs> so it's got three replaceable thumb rests there, uh, depending on what you like. And it's uh, uh, got the Pixar PMW 3360, which is one of the best optical sensors on the board. Yeah. And it has the RGBs.
0: Interesting. Interesting. There you go. That was quick. Uh, before we get to our next story, I'll mention we did have three new patrons. We got a new $3 pledge from Juan Lanch. And I'm probably saying the last name wrong since his first name is Juan. I don't know. Lanch Lance. Looks, like, looks like Juan Lanch three dollars. Thank you very much, Juan. Uh Rise and Shrout <laughs> uh, Rise and Shout, sorry, edited uh-huh. their pledge from fifteen ninety nine to nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. Thank you so much, sir. And thank, uh, you. thank you very much. We have an increase from five to ten for the fat guy next to Ryan on the plane. Just edited their play.
2: He's more like a football player.
0: I did say he wasn't a fat guy. He He was just a broad shouldered, like, big guy, right? Big bone. Maybe he didn't want to be called
1: a football player
0: right now.
2: Yeah, that's true. Maybe that was it. Maybe he wasn't a football player. Maybe he just eats a lot.
0: Uh, I don't have.
2: (laughs) That's true. That's true.
0: You know, I I don't want to apply my. You're you're not a player.
4: You just.
3: Never mind. (laughs) So when I sit in an airplane seat the edges of my shoulder are into the other Correct. people's yeah, seats. I, would yeah
0: be I, a, I would consider you to be a i would consider it to be a broad-shouldered person yes yeah
3: yeah i'm not overly obese no. but yeah when i'm sitting in a chair i'm i'm rubbing shoulders with whoever yeah. it is
0: oh yeah 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 and there is like, you know, there's always the back and forth and the plane of like, okay, I'm watching this movie, so I'm gonna give you the benefit of the armrest and the shoulders back, so I'm gonna lean my shoulders forward over uh-huh.
2: the yeah you have to over
0: the tray table, yeah. <laughs> so that like I'm I'm we're both out of each other's way, right? Because if we both sit back, this is gonna be the awful thing. Yeah, we might as well snuggle at that point. Uh, Jeremy wrote this up too, but uh, we needed to have Sebastian here for this one. Grado's new PS two thousand E. Headphones have a twenty-seven hundred pound
2: price tag. It's like four grand. Uh, they're, yeah, they're it's not more. That's why, money. Josh? Thirteen hundred bucks. Taking a look at these. Oh, about wait. wait, 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 wait. That's how much? No,
1: thirteen hundred bucks. Okay. Comp- no, this is the not price 4, increase pounds. from last year's. Oh, oh okay. So that's why oh. you put last year's was a thousand pound. This year, it's twenty seven hundred friggin' quit. Yeah, so that so is it's a price increase of oh wow, just short of thirteen fifty. That's insane, isn't it? Everyone else is doing it apparently because uh, uh, the guy at Kit Guru that did this is obsessed, like Sebastian level obsessed with audio, and so he was saying a couple of the ones that he's reviewed this year, the brand new models that are replacing last year's model have all gone up by like a grand 1500 bucks.
2: I, I, I don't know what shortage it is. Um, neodymium, maybe? or neodymium? Is it going like, to be like a RAM bus thing? Is that going to happen? <laughs> They're all colluding. They're they, they all, they all want know, to I, lunch I, together. I think
3: they can do it because they can. Yeah, probably. And yep. there's a market. Because audio files. And, yes.
2: Yeah. They probably only make a place. dozen of these a yeah. year. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm kind of picky about like my audio sounding good when I'm listening to something, and I buy expensive earbuds and stuff. But that's too rich for my blood. Eh. That's a lot of money.
0: Oh well. But,
1: and the thing with Credo is that it's not just great audio. Like these things are bloody hand polished, and oh the, sure, the wood they're, makes, going, they're going they're going nuts on now, really hand carved. Yeah. Crp. So are yeah, made in I Brooklyn. I was very disappointed. Brooklyn. I looked for my old pick of about a year and so ago, where I found those uh, eighteen thousand dollar headphones. Right. With a, the platinum ear cups and the diamond insets that the page is gone i couldn't find it oh they went out of business business or something they didn't sell one
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, other news usb 3.2 you guys ready for that no tough here it comes uh rated at 20 gigabits per second with multi-lane operation so this is uh they published and made official specs for usb 3.2 why can't we just use move to like usb 4 like i don't know
3: So the person in the picture must have just had a manicure.
2: Uh, I don't know if that's my finger or not. I think it is my finger. It's two 10-gigabit channels. Are they adding pins here, or were there already pins? In the same signaling and 128-bit,
0: 132-bit encoding used by 3.1. So like Thunderbolt, USB 3.2 takes advantage of multiple lanes to achieve total bandwidth rather than trying to clock and run a single channel at twice the speed. Uh, Defines two channels that run... 2x5 gigabit or 2x10 gigabit depending on the cable used with USB 3.1 Gen 1 5 or USB Gen 1 3 USB 3.1 Gen 2 10 gigabit cables respectively. So okay. is it two actual cables? No, I think it's a it single. Cable? No, no,
4: it's it's the, the uh, it's the, trace the cable
2: is a
1: specification. Okay. So yes, it's backwards compatible, but if you want the full speed it's okay. dependent on the cable being capable of uh, doing the coupling um, at the full 20 gigabits. So speed. I think rolled out in 2018. So, get... <laughs>
2: so remember, the thing that lets you plug the cable in upside down, mm-hmm. I think, is because they combined. You'd have pins that were like data lines on, say, the top left, and they'd be like the same as the bottom right or something. Right. Sure. So I mean, if yep. you split those, you'd need extra wires in the cable. Okay, and you'd need the uh, the thing on the other end to wire those two separate data you channels. Does that mean
0: I'm going to be able to plug my USB in upside down again?
2: No, it would still work. It would just oh, be channel okay. a, a and a channel B <laughs> would just toggle each other, but there would still be two channels, right? Like, uh, it's interesting. Um, I, I just can't wait until I'm writing up
1: uh, a motherboard post or a, a case post where I'm describing that's got. Two USB a 3.2 Type C connections, two USB 3.2 <laughs> Type A connections, two USB 3.1 Gen 2 connections, yeah. <laughs> one is Type C, two Type A, one USB 3.1 Gen 1 connection, and I give up. There's some USB 3 on there. A as PS2.
2: Well. Port. Don't forget the couple of USB 2s for your keyboard to show yes. up in the BIOS. Like
0: ah, uh, they fixed that. And a multi-use
1: PS2 for mouse or keyboard, depending on your preference.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a
1: partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, interesting.
0: All right, so look forward to that. I imagine oh, we'll see man. some of that stuff at CES. Probably. As well. Uh, Jeremy, quickly tell me, uh, this was a review from also Kit Guru, I guess, of the ROG Strix laptop, the GL753VD, not venereal disease. This is, uh, this is a gaming display. lab. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can, well, it's got an so. IPS wow. display, so it, it can sort of brag. All
1: right. Uh, it's 1080p with an IPS, so if you are someone who likes uh, eSports or FIFA or World of Warcraft and for whatever reason you need a mobile gaming platform so you don't really mind having a a GTX 1050 in there, go for it. Otherwise, uh, save the money, get the cheaper IPS display, get a 1060, get uh, either VR goggles or an external display of much better power, but I mean, at just under a grand, it's decent if you are in that very small space where you, you just don't have a lot of space or you get chased around your house and you're, you're not allowed to sit somewhere and game all the time. For that sort of thing, it make sense. Otherwise, I mean, I'd, honestly, we're reaching even for an ROG Strix uh, rating on this. It's It's kind of low end for gaming laptops.
0: Fair enough. Uh up next. Zotac Z box. Yeah. Yeah. This is a uh kind it's not really a Nook because it's like bigger and stuff. It looks like it has Four two times the bloody size of a Nook. Two power supplies going into it as well. Uh it's a core i7 7700 paired with the GTX 1080, almost 16 gigs of RAM, a WD Black 5 512 gig NVMe SSD, um, the Magnus. Offers more power than you find in many mid range systems. That is
2: correct. It's got two laptop power supplies. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that's crazy. One
1: for the GPU and one for everyone else.
2: I mean, if the box is that big already, why don't you just put the bloody power supply in there? Like,
1: <laughs> it's still a little smaller than a power supply. Uh, I, Even an SFX one. Yeah,
2: I mean, a, a SFX power it's impressive.
1: And it's got a funky ass water cooling system in there. It's water cooled? The CPU and the graphics card
2: what the heck Wow,
1: I know see that makes it a little more impressive did they that-
2: take it apart I want to see the inside yeah, did they take-
1: uh, sort of they didn't get it very far
2: apart <laughs> he gave up he's like oh, I'm not <laughs> opening this anymore uh, and
1: that they had some interesting issues with it uh, which I'll start off by saying Zotac did yeah, address very quickly oh, but they like they the had the 7700 open. running at 4.2 gigahertz across all cores not necessarily a good idea and didn't really sound like a good idea right yeah so a couple of BIOS updates and now it'll do 4.2 on a single uh, and spread out and limit it down there were some interesting boot issues that they had all of which seems to have been solved by the end of the review uh, with a couple of BIOS updates but I mean, it's it's almost too big to be a Z Box, but at the same time I can't believe they fit all that in there <laughs>
0: very cool uh that review is over at tech report you can find the link to it on our on our post there too uh samsung odyssey vr headset was announced um this was on wednesday no that's today tuesday tuesday <laughs> uh i don't know one of those days microsoft had an event talking about their um mixed reality alternate reality i don't know whatever they call it um uh, this so this is the latest headset that supports that, and it's also apparently the nicest. It is uh, um, twenty eight eighty by sixteen hundred. Um, it's got a lot of pixels there. It's still ninety hertz. It's AMOLED, one hundred ten degrees. Um, it has these controllers as well that will come with it. Four hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, launching November sixth. Um. Kind of interesting to see Samsung get into this, right? So this is Windows VR, Windows AR. Uh, and uh, seeing them go from the cell phone-based to this, you know, they're hedging their bets, right? Like the Android version of of VR versus the Windows version of VR. Mm-hmm. And, you know, early, early reports are from specification-wise that they have probably one of the more interesting uh, designs as well. Controllers look... I guess they just look a little unwieldy maybe but I have we have the Acer mixed reality headset here and uh, the setup process was a pain in the ass not through Acer but through Microsoft's right OS at the time so we'll give it a try again once these uh, start shipping I guess the, the, res, the other ones like the Acer and uh, Lenovo started shipping next week like to actual consumers uh, not just developers yeah next week I believe yeah Alright, last one. Vintage Star Wars Battlefront 2 is bad. Uh, that's my
1: pick. Skip it.
0: Uh, uh, don't, nobody look at the screen. <laughs> nobody look. Everybody stop. Look at one at of my favorite screen,
2: screen from. Wait a minute, that's not in the rundown under the articles. It wasn't. I
1: know, I just deleted it when I realized it was there. Oh, it was oh, there before, it so, was so it's not there.
2: my fault. Okay, Damn right. it. I just wanted to make Stole sure. It. And it's on the rundown, like I'm looking at the bullet for it. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, let me get my pick of the week here. Um, I just need to type it in. Never had a down point here, so this is this is my pick. This is a book that just came out uh, yesterday, day before. This is Star Wars. It's a 40th anniversary uh, celebration of Star Wars. It's called From a Certain Point of View, and it is essentially a a New Hope. And they took 40 different authors and they said, you get to write a story about this character that was never in it or like partially in it. So like the reason I found out about this is uh, Griffin McElroy, who does many of the podcasts that I listen to, yeah. wrote a story about the Jawas. For this book. For this book. So his name is
2: on that list of the yes, right on the correct. left side there. Correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so Gary Witta does one. Uh, there's one where Aunt Amperu finds her voice in an intimate character study. Um, Pierce Brown chronicles Big Biggs Darklighter's final flight to the Rebellion's harrowing attack. Will Wheaton spins a poignant tale of the rebels left behind on Yavin. So there's 40 you, stories,
1: you bastards! You left us behind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and some of them are are like funny or you know endearing or whatever. So I, uh, mine shows up tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, yeah, so it's part of the the fortieth anniversary huh. of this from a certain point of view, so which is also a fantastic ones, title yeah. Oh, yeah. for a book like this. And it's there's a an audio book title. Uh, yes,
2: there is. Uh, Wait, it uh, says zero dollars.
0: It's free with your Audible trial. Oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. Otherwise, it's twenty six ninety five. Okay, which is more than the paperback that I bought.
1: You still haven't read Ian Dosher's ones yet. Have I'm sorry, you I bought though? the
0: hardcover. Yeah, so. Again, going back to that whole discussion we had at the beginning of the day. So, all right. Uh, that was my pick. Let's go to, uh, let's see, we'll have Josh, then Jeremy, then Alan. Josh, what do you got for me?
3: Why am I in front of Jeremy? I don't. It happened a few weeks ago. I don't yeah, know. Somebody, all right. Whatever, I'll take just it. do it. So anyway, uh, you End know, coming show. up soon is the Blade Runner 2049. To be caught up. You may need this one. Now, on Amazon, it's almost 65 bucks. (laughs) I guess in Target, the fine fine French boutique, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can get it for about (laughs) half that. So uh, considering that one, it's also HDR. What they did is they took the negatives and scanned those directly into, depending on the film source, either 4K or 6K, and then uh, put it all together in this 4K hdr blu-ray package did
2: you watch and apparently it? apparently it's stunning oh okay good we need good uh
0: yeah actually i heard somebody talking about this this week while i was out of town as well that it was surprisingly good like because my my fear was that
2: it'd be graded wrong or yeah like,
0: you know
2: wouldn't take proper I mean, advantage they're, of they're the coming hdr from film
0: right so it's just well film does is, have makes it
2: easier yeah film has good dynamic Fine range grain. compared to yeah you know not pixels. Digital. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's pixels
3: now. Because I, I, <laughs> I, this really came to the fore when I put in my The Crow DVD from like 1996, 97. Right. And the quality on that is horrendous.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's that. just,
3: it's terrible. Really, honest goodness, awful, hard to watch. You miss so much detail. Mm. So, yeah, it's nice to get, um, a good thing like this.
0: It's a good. So get thing. a Tar Cool. All right. All right, Jeremy, now you can get you go to Canada for that. Uh,
1: well, and the important thing is it's the final cut. So it's without the voiceovers and it's, it's by far the better than the theatrical release. Speaking of theatrical releases, um, the original series is always the best series. Star Wars Battlefront two, not the one that's coming out eventually, but the one that we, a lot of us have very fond memories of where you sort of spawned and fought your way into the hangar bay and grabbed one of the TIE fighters that was there and tried to fly out, but the X-Wings were already there defending it and you might not have got shot down and you got away and you land on the other, on the the rebel cruiser and you jump out and you start shooting people. Uh, In other words, you know, everything that games nowadays claim, Oh, you just seamlessly integrate into a vehicle or not. Well, you this was what we used to do instead of collecting a power-up until we suddenly turned into one. <laughs> it's Fair. four bucks on good old games right now. Um, if you haven't bought a Star Wars bundle like I have, you will be able to play it, uh, Steam and uh, good old games. It won't matter. Although we're still working on some issues because the reason we lost this was when GameSpy went down, uh, you could no longer do multiplayer. There's been a very big group of people building it mm. back up. Disney's right on board. They got no problems with this whatsoever. <laughs> They're still working a little bit on the server code. There's, there's some lag, there's some issues, but honestly, if if you have it already installed, just, or there, just fire it up, play a couple of rounds and reminisce of back when, you know, there was a full single player campaign, pretty Well, three dozen friggin' multiplayer maps, uh, classes. It was, it was a hell of a lot of fun. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, put some glasses on so you don't mind the pixelation and play it. It's
2: four bucks. It's out front a lot of front
0: too. Classic.
2: All right, and uh, Alan, uh, you like big SSDs, right? I do. Is it ten cents? Twenty-five cents a gig. Okay, but right. it's seven and a half terabytes. Oh, so it's two thousand dollars. Oh, but. Mm-hmm. If you want seven and a half terabytes on a SATA SSD, <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: sure. Uh, the uh, Micron 5100 Eco, and we reviewed this line a few months back, but the eight terabyte model wasn't out yet. Now, apparently, it is because I just ran into it on eBay for, you know, two grand. Um, but, I mean, that's an awful lot of terabytes. Yep. That's yeah, a lot of money. Yep. But again, that's a lot of terabytes. So, um, you know, it's just a standard
0: two and a half inch drive, right?
2: It's not like it's a standard two and a half inch SATA drive. It just happens to be you enormous.
0: Think you think it's a seven mil? I think so. Mm, interesting. I don't know. Oops.
2: Wrong oh, VMAX. Uh, actually, was there a side uh, view of it in that uh, thing? The smaller models were 0.3 inches. Well, that doesn't tell me millimeters, <laughs> but
0: form factor metric 6.4 centimeters.
2: It's not right. Oh, uh, that's that's not the that's not what we're looking for either. <laughs> I like, 64 how, I like how it lists. Go, go back up to the pictures. If you get an edge profile where the port is, you can tell if it's 7mm or not. I uh, you're close. They don't have that.
0: where'd you go? Look, I just said they don't, don't go, have that. Go over. I'm looking Our at all systems now. No, no. Look at that now. second
2: picture. B- blow up that second picture. That one right there. This one? Uh, that looks like it might be 7mm.
1: Yes. Yeah. It is.
2: Okay. Cool.
1: Yeah, we, so we it's also just want to see it open up so that it's not just that so with a 500 the chat's doing
2: the math usb driving it. the chat's doing the math 0. 0.3 inches is 7.62 and we're somewhere between seven and nine which is the two numbers we're worried about it's closer so to seven it's closer to seven so yeah. i guess uh yeah all right. should be seven
0: all right everybody that is going to be the episode uh for this week thank you for joining us slash podcast go there find show notes Um, Links to downloads, files, RSS, all that other crap. You can find it all there. Uh, We will see you next week for another episode. I'm Ryan Schraub.
2: I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malentano. Bye. Bye.